Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. This is Isaiah 34, Yeshayahu This chapter is somewhat sad and difficult one. It doesn't make you feel warm and fuzzy, so to speak. Unfortunately, Yeshayahu is reminding us of God's message that until we get to that the time of the lion and the and the sheep dwelling together in the time of peace and happiness and tranquility where the entire world is focused on a singular mission together. We're going to go through a time of significant suffering. It's important to remember, though, that this time is a time of justice, as we had, uh, and and a time when when the evil and the and the corrupt nations and people will perish, and what will remain is the image of a Zion, of a Zion, which is the center of justice and righteousness. As God has said um, in the last chapter, um, what, what the image of Zion represents. Zion, um, uh, where our holidays and our beautiful times are celebrated. Zion, um, is that image of justice and righteousness. That God has filled Zion with justice and righteousness. And many times in Isaiah, Zion has represented Zion It is Zion is the Im- in the future is, is the image of justice and righteousness. The enemies of Zion are the enemies of justice and righteousness. It's important to remember that as we approach and learn and study this next chapter. In addition, remember that the theme that has been going since chapter 32 and 33 has been that Zion the, and justice and righteousness represent the people that both have Yirat Hashem, they respect God, and therefore they have Chachmat V'da'at, they, they have wisdom and knowledge, they study the world around them, they study the Torah, they, they think about what they're doing, and they also have faith through the difficult times. This is a really important thing in order to understand. This is really the key to the chapter we're about to study. Understanding that people that have emuna, that have faith, people that have yirat Hashem, that have respect for God, people that have chokhmah v'dat, that study and specifically study God's law, the Torah, but much, you know, the justice and righteousness that represents the Torah, but also study the world around them as Masei Yadav like we learned in chapter 5 those that don't respect God don't study God and those are the people who stick with God are Zorei Al Kolmayim that stick with God no matter what the situation is whether it's it's um, Borad like we learned at the end of chapter 32 whether it's a time of down or a time of up no matter what whether it's a tishbashifla or rad, a time of down, a time of bad, or a time of good, they remain the faith, as opposed to the people that don't have faith, that don't have wisdom and knowledge, that don't have respect for God. Those are the people that when times are good, they take advantage of others. They don't have mishpatutaka, justice and righteousness. With that introduction, we can understand the meaning and make this chapter, which is so full of suffering, into something at least that we can understand. Kirvugayim lishmoa, he says in verse 1. Listen, come close, you nations, come close and listen. And all you nations and peoples, listen up closely. 
I'm talking now not just to the people, but to the land and all that fills the land, all of nature, Tevel, all of existence, the and everything that comes out, all of them, everything that results from nature and animals and plants and the land and everything. All of you, listen up. God is now angry at all of the nations. And there's a tremendous amount of anger against all of the of the hosts, everything that represents those nations. Um, tevel, uh, I'm sorry. God is getting ready to destroy them and and slaughter them. This is painful to read, but this is what he says. And the, their slain will be left lying in the fields of and their corpses shall pile. And the mountains will flow with their blood. And all of the hosts of the sky will 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 um will mold and smelt. And they will be rolled up like a book. In other words, they'll be crushed. And all of their powers and hosts will will rot. And just like a a, a, a a grapevine at the end of the season that they like the leaves wilt and dry on like a, a shriveled fruit on a fig tree that wasn't harvested and becomes waste because my sword is 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 like drunk in the sky and this I, this this sword is coming down on edom and on the nation which I want to um doom into into Kherim, into um, destruction to come down with justice. Now why did he choose the nation of Edom as a representative? He's talking to all the nations, all over the world, everything, but he uses Edom as an example. Now in rabbinic literature, Edom is often associated with Rome. Clearly Yeshayahu is not talking about Rome for several reasons. Rome didn't really exist yet, at least not in a significant way in the time of Isaiah. And the, the rabbinic association between Edom and Rome is something that occurred hundreds of years, almost maybe over, almost a thousand years after the time of Isaiah. And it's kind of a dubious uh, comparison because it doesn't really, it can't possibly be that Ishayahu actually meant Rome when he spoke of Edom. So the only reason why I mention this is because many of the commentators here associate Edom with Rome, but I'm not going to do that. I think that we should look into Yeshayahu's own words regarding Edom in order to understand why he uses Edom as an example of a nation that will be destroyed. Edom at the time of Yeshayahu was a small nation. It did not have any significant power in the world scheme of things. As we have seen throughout Isaiah, the big players in those days were Ashur, Assyria, maybe Bavel, Babylon, Mitzrayim, Egypt, and a couple other nations here and there. But Edom didn't really figure onto the world scene. If we look back to the Masaot, when Yeshayahu directed his messages to all of the nations of the world, Edom only warranted two psukim, two small verses. If we go back um, to those verses, and they were very cryptic and very difficult to understand. But we go back to chapter 21, verse 11 and 12, where, where Yeshayahu addresses Edom. And it's kind of curious what he said there. But I, I encourage you to listen again to my 
um, podcast 21a where I addressed this and how it was understood. But let's go back there for a minute. 2111, he says, Masa Duma, the burden of Edom. Eli Kore mi Seir. They call out to me from Seir, which is the place, the mountain, which was representative of where Edomites live. And they asked the question, Shomer Mami Laila, Shomer Mami Lel. And the way we interpreted it then was that Edom was asking him, Where is God in the nighttime? Where is God in the difficult times? Omar Shomer also Volker. The guardian says, Morning has come, Vigam Laila, and also night. In other words, God is with us in the morning and in the night, which was Isaiah's answer to the question that Edom asked. You can feel free to ask those questions, Isaiah encouraged them. And you can continue to ask. Yeshayahu was telling Edom that it's okay to ask the question of where is God at nighttime. And that's all Yeshayahu said about Edom. The other nations had long masaot, he had predictions and, 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 and instructions and, 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 and he was able to tell them uh, what they were doing wrong and, and so on and what they could do to fix things and all kinds of things he told all the other nations. But Edom, he left it at that, just those two verses. Edom's answer to those questions, so the, the, the vikuach, the argument that Yeshayahu engaged in when he turned his attention to Edom was an argument about this basic question of philosophy. Edom asked, where is God at nighttime? And he answered, God is here at night in the bad times and in the good times, which is the message of these three chapters. This is the message of these three chapters, that the greatness of Israel is the greatness and ability to stick with God throughout the good times and the bad, to maintain the faith both when times are up and when times are down. Edom are the people who asked that question but did not answer it. They're the ones that said, where is God at nighttime? Must be there is no God. And therefore, Edom, we see throughout history, they were the ones that attached themselves to the conquerors all the time. When, when Babylon came to destroy Israel in, 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 at the first temple, Edom became their allies. Later on in history, when, when Rome came to destroy Israel, Edom became their allies. They allied themselves with the person who on the ground seemed descendant. The ones who exploited others, the ones who destroyed others, that's where they put their power. That's why Edom is the example of the nation, which is the opposite of the lesson Yeshayahu is trying to teach here. They are the ones, the Amcharmi, the nation that God wants to destroy because they represent that idea that it's not, there is no God. This is what they said. Because where is God when we're suffering? Because they had that, they always attached themselves to whoever the ascendant power was. For this reason, he says over here, now, in verse, in our verse in chapter 34, That's where my anger is coming. God's sword is full of blood. It is engorged with the fat of of, of the fat animals, because that's what they did. They just brought animals and animals and animals to God. God's sword is full of that, but that's not what He wants. He wants people that are going to stick with Him. In Batsra, the capital of, of Edom, right? Um, there's this tremendous slaughter there because Edom. Was think, thinks of God in this way. We can sacrifice animals and somehow appease Him, but they don't get what God is. That's not what God wants. 
That's not the God that you stick with and when times are good and when times are bad. We are dur mom. So what will happen? The wild animals will go down with them. Ufarimim abirim. And and the the um and the great cattle viriv sahardsamidam and their land will be full of blood and their dirt will be soaked with their the fats. Because this is a day of vengeance for God. This is a time to pay back for the riv, the 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 vindic the vindicate the for the fight for Zion for Zion and what does Zion represent? Mishpatutaka. Zion represents sticking with God no matter what, We're sticking with justice and righteousness no matter what is happening, whether the times are good or bad. The rivers will turn into tar and 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 burning and uh, images of 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 sulfur in the soil and so on. Day and night, this will continue. Remember, what did the Edom ask? They asked, "Shomer mami Lila, right? Where? So God is saying, day and night will not will not. I'm going to punish day and night. Forever, no matter what, their smoke will come. From generation to generation, they will be destroyed. No more in their land forever. There will never be a person there. And here, Ishayahu goes to an image which we've had numerous times throughout Ishayahu. And um, where nature takes over. Nature takes over when, when human beings are corrupt. When human beings are corrupt and the society is gone. God turns it back to the animals. And and um, these are different types of birds. They're going to be the ones that live there. Owls and, and jackdaws, viyanshof, the oreviskunuban, ravens, kavtov, avnevohu. And the, the instead of having the the builders and the building blocks with the kav is a plumb line uh, that's used in building and stones and bricks and so on. It's going. They're going to be no more. It's going to be nature. It's going to be fields of trees and and animals and birds. People will look over there and say there is no ikro. People will say there is no kingdom there. No people live there. The you office. There will no more, no more nobles, no more rulers. We also asirim, and their palaces will start growing plants and thorns. Kimosh there will be bushes growing in their in their fortresses. It will be a place where 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 ostriches and jackals will live. And the the um different types of wild cats and hyenas and animals will meet each other there. And and goats. Um this this sa'ir may be a reference to demons as opposed to goats, as sometimes the refers to demons. They will be the ones that call out to each other. Achsham here, Gielilis. There, the she demon of Lilith will, will, will roam. In other words, it'll be wild. That's where she will find the resting place. That's where the, some kind of a snake will be able to live. And that's where Bitsila, and that's where it will, it will dig and 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 raise its young there too the diot which are some kind of large bird that's where they will meet each other 
read it out from a book and call this out to all the nations. Achas not, not not one of these animals will will um will be missing there. Isharu solo pakadu. They will all meet each other. They will none of them will miss miss meeting each other. It's because this is the word of God, and this is and it is God's spirit that has gathered the animals there. It is God who gave this to the animals, Goral, by, by Lot. God has decided that should be the fate of the, their land. God has measured it out and has given it to them. Forever the animals, nature, has inherited this land. And forever they shall live there. It is. I read through that quickly, but I want to now go back and discuss it a little. Um, it seems, and it's clear, and Yeshayahu has numerous times mentioned, uh, and I'll give some examples in a moment, that when people are corrupt and societies are corrupt, God would rather take their land and give it back to nature. God prefers nature over over a corrupt society. We've and. We've also seen hints of Yeshayahu stating that when people are corrupt, that they abuse nature. And we've mentioned this several times in the podcast. I'm going to go back a little bit and mention a few examples. I know that to some extent, this might sound like I'm taking modern ideas of environmentalism and imposing them on the words of Isaiah, who clearly did not have the same philosophy of environmentalism as we know it today. Of course, it's very different. However, we do see in Yeshayahu very clearly the idea that God prefers nature and animals to a corrupt human society. And we do see several times that Yeshayahu berates the people for taking advantage of nature and abusing it. I'm going to go back and bring some examples. If we go back to Isaiah chapter 9, we will find... um, I'm just going to flip back here for a second... Uh, chapter nine, verse nine. Um, when was 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 criticizing the people of the northern kingdom, he criticized them for let's let's build let's build let's build buildings let's chop down the trees and let's chop down the land. Um, we also see in Isaiah, I'm going to bring a few examples. Uh, uh, Isaiah 10:18, right? The honor of his, 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 his forests and his fields. Um, I'm going to go more, and this is even more important and obvious, because there's various interpretations of those verses. But we see in Isaiah 14, verses 7 and 8, where... Um, where Ishayahu over there was was talking to Babel to Babylon, and he talks about um, where Ishayahu talks about how the forests will be happy that no longer are the Babylonians chopping us down. We also see in fourteen twenty three. Verse twenty-three: How God says, "What's what was? What's the 
what's the retribution for abusing nature? And were you talking to Babylon at the time? I will take the land that, that Babylon abused and chop down the trees and make it into a place of kipod, of, of, of the birds, and, and lakes and ponds and rivers. Um, we also see in, in Perak Yudtes, Isaiah 19, Pasuk Vav, um, um, that again, where, where nature is fighting back and coming back. And then we see in verse in Chaf Beis, in Parak 22, verse 8, Isaiah says, refers to, how does he refer to the Beit HaMikdash as the Beit Hayoar, the house of the forest? telling us that this house, this Migdash, this temple was built out of the wood of the forest in order to respect the forest from which the holy temple came. He calls the holy temple the Beit HaYar, the house of the forest. I just bring these as examples because, because I know that some might find it a little, they might, I guess I, I would be accused of trying to extract trying to push my ideas of, uh, of of respecting the nature and the environment onto the words of Yeshayahu. And when you put all these examples together, you see a theme developing. And over here, perhaps in this chapter 34, the strongest development of this theme, and that is that, that, that nature is something to be respected and not abused. Nature is something for us to use appropriately and if we build societies that are unjust and corrupt, necessarily that also leads to abuse of nature and the world around us. And therefore, God will decide in his punishment, he will take away those societies, take away those, those buildings and bricks and so on that we use to abuse nature and return it to nature in a sense, in a way that, that, that it will be, like he said at the end of the chapter that we just read, this is the lot that was given to nature that when human beings abuse their power and privilege, God will give the land back to its natural state. Thank you so much for studying chapter 34. Looking forward to studying chapter 35 with you.